Ben's success was, was more mental than physical. Absolutely. There's, there's no question in my mind. I mean, I, 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 I helped clear his mind. I, I helped him recognize who he was, how good he was at certain things. And he, he stopped worrying about other people. And he shows up to the line ready to race, uh, you know, focused on his game. And he doesn't give a damn about anybody else. And, I mean, that's why 70.3 Worlds, he dove in the water and took the lead from the start and was like, I don't care that Gomez is in the race. And that's why he dropped Gomez on the first climb. And here's the Olympic silver medalist, this, you know, how many time world champion. And he's like, that was the goal. We were going to just, we're going to race to our strengths. We're going to force people to make decisions. And, and you know, it, maybe they don't want to make a decision. Well, then that decision will be made for them. We're going. And, and so... Once he started to have this confidence, it's not, I mean, last year he wanted to win three races. He wanted to win Alcatraz. He wanted to win uh, 70.3 Worlds. He wanted to win Island House. This year we wanted to win 10 races. That's the difference in his confidence. He came to me with a list and said, I want to win these 10 races. Now, and that's just because now he's done it. He believes in himself. He doesn't worry about it. So now, you know, I think, I think for most athletes, that's the hardest part to reach. That was Jim Vance, and you're listening to episode 118 of the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Hey, hey, everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Jess, your host, and each week we have been absolutely blessed to host the most amazing guests on this show, from Olympians to authors, doctors to ultra runners, and vegans doing incredible feats in the world. We keep showing up every week because the guests keep showing up, and most importantly, you keep showing up. We here at Yogi Triathlete are on a mission to create a better world, and we thank each and every one of you who believes in us and supports this mission. We are all in it together. Speaking of support, we've got some new exclusives on the Patreon page, so be sure to check those out. And if you're itching to be in the know, then become a supporter and remove the mystery. Thank you, Telsis, who is our latest Yogi Triathlete, to pledge her support and exclaim to the world that the show must go on. Thank you so much, Telsis. I'm so glad we got to meet you up at Ironman Santa Rosa. Thanks so much for tuning in every week, girl. You are amazing. Keep going. Let's see. Our team of badass athletes just grew again. Welcome back, Amy, to the team. She was one of our first athletes when we were still living back in Rhode Island. This girl was made to run. She trained with us leading into her first marathon a few years ago where she threw down a smoking fast Boston qualifying time. Yeah, she is that woman who qualified for Boston at her first marathon. She's a yogi, she's a mom, and we are so happy to have her back. Also, welcome Amy to the team. She is a longtime triathlete and fan of the podcast. She is the total Yogi Triathlete package. She is living the awake and ready life. She is a member of the M21 Revolution community, and she just completed the circle by officially joining the team and allowing Coach Beach to continue to help her unveil her greatness. All right, a few shout-outs to team members who have been crushing the race course over the past few weekends. Matt took second overall at an Olympic distance try in New Jersey last weekend. Then again, just yesterday, he won his age group and placed sixth overall at Steelman Olympic in Pennsylvania, despite having a series of interesting events, including missing a buoy on the swim, tumbling off his bike at the dismount line due to a broken cleat, and then still manages to run a sub 40 10K. Nice work, dude. You are killing it. Liz, who's en route to a sub four performance at the Chicago Marathon, yeah, you are, girl, 
torched a 10K in Maine last weekend, finishing within a minute of a previous PR without glancing at her watch even once. Yeah, her mind is ironclad. And then Jenny, our 10-year-old athlete, rocked her second triathlon yesterday here in San Diego. She had a tough day and she just kept going. This girl is so strong. And just for the record, she declared live on Instagram the other day that she will be signing up for her first Ironman as soon as she turns 18. Let's all plan to do that one with her. All right, you guys, we have another great show for you today, one that I've already listened to twice and I can't seem to get enough of. Jim Vance is an elite endurance sports coach, author, and sport technology and training consultant. He is the coach to professional triathlete, Olympian, and YT podcast guest, Ben Canute. If you know triathlon, then you know Ben. He has been crushing it. And after our chat with Jim, we now know that it's all been about training his body less and training his mind more. Yes, Jim is all about the mental game. It's so funny because everything we read about Jim and the interviews we listened to leading up to our convo with him coined him as the data guy. I thought, well, this will be good because we're always diving in so deep to the mental game. Let's give our audience, especially our intellectual friends, a good data-driven conversation. And one, honestly, that I just couldn't figure out how I was going to make it not boring. Well, as the universe continues to do, it showed us that within minutes of this conversation that the mental game is really really the one that needs to be at the forefront. Sure, we talked about data. We get into the running power meters and how they're changing the game of pace-driven training, but Jim's wisdom around gaining the mental edge far surpasses the numbers. This guy is an amazing coach. He has an ability to find out exactly what drives his athletes, and he has the confidence to assist them in believing in themselves like never before. Ben is a great example of this. I mean, he was competing at the top level when he came to gym following the Rio Games, but through Coach Vance's data and confidence-building expertise, Ben is now just not competing at the top. He is the top, and he knows more than ever before that he can win. Jim is also head coach for the Formula Endurance Team, a USAT high-performance team focused on developing top junior triathletes as a part of the Olympic pipeline. He is the head varsity swim coach at Coronado High School here in San Diego. This guy has coached elite national champions, world championship podium performances, Ironman world championship qualifiers, and he is a training consultant for U.S. Olympians. I'd say he is the training Bible, and this conversation is the audiobook. He does actually have a few books that we talk about during the show, and we have links to those in the show notes. So if you're looking to grab those books, please use the links in the show notes because they are hooked up with our Amazon banner ad link, and the Amazon banner ad link allows Amazon to throw us some coin to help pay the podcast bills. Thanks so much to everyone who makes a habit out of using the banner ad link, which is always in the show notes for each episode. I mean, there is so much I can say about this guy from his collegiate career as a four-year letter-winning cross-country and track athlete to his two amateur world championship wins and his podium finish at Ironman Florida, but I think really we just need to dive in. You guys are going to love this conversation. And so now I hand you over to episode 118 with the data guy turned mindfulness guru, Coach Jim Vance. We were sick because we had an athlete doing the Boston, as BJ was just telling you, and when we were watching the Major League try, we were like, oh, they're going to be getting that 
weather the mm -hmm. next day, but they ended up canceling that swim. Yeah, the second one at Boston. Mm -hmm. Now, is Major League just professional? Yes. At okay. This, at this point in time, yes. Uh, there may have certain events where they're going to open it up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're even going to expand the pro field to have like an individual sprint race. So that's not team, but line them up and go. Nice. Yeah. So USA Triathlon's been supporting. So I'm assuming that's the factor in the cancellation of the swim. Because, I mean, that... Sure. Yeah. Because the... The weather was... If absolute. the major league try was age group two, I wonder if the swim would have... I mean, yeah. you're just not that's dealing with... You're that's just, I mean, to be quite honest, you're not dealing <laughs> with the best of the best swimmers. Not to say that some age groupers aren't like the best of the best swimmers. Yeah, we know they the are. But yeah, when you're yeah. talking about the masses, so sure. so Boston Triathlon ended up being, what did they do? They did like probably a little 2K run. 2K run. 2K yeah. run. And still did a 10K run afterwards. Nice. So it was 12K of running. So I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, well, that's <laughs> going to beat him down a little bit, but that's all right. He actually ran really well there. Ben did. So, so he did major league try, hopping on, hopped on a plane, went to Boston, and then won the Boston Triathlon. The next morning, yeah. Guy's on top right now, man. Yeah, I think he, yeah, I had. They had less than 24 hours between starts, between the races. One was like 1 p.m. start, and the other one was like 7 a.m. start or something. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. And then the squall that was coming in mm -hmm. in New Jersey, like just as I think there was probably some later people still on the bike when that was hitting. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. Yeah, the Guardrails were like mm. the uh, the guard posts. Were, were yeah. Well, do them. they have like a video of that? We can put that a link yeah, in the yeah, show notes because yeah. the swim was insane. Well, this Facebook Live thing has been amazing. Yeah. It's been great coverage. Like finally, sure. The yeah. ITU stuff is like carried over, but now it's like Facebook. What an what an awesome forum! Like to it get the people to comment in the feed mm -hmm. and to always live there. Sure. Right. Get the engagement. Yeah, it's pretty good. So now you coach Ben Canute and we've had mm -hmm. Ben on the show and we talked about when we had Ben on the show, we talked about his early days and you knew him like long time you've known him. Sure. How did you guys come together? I actually was his, the coach of his coach. Uh -huh. So, and his coach was Adam Zuko and Adam helped him, you know, uh, you know, bring him up through the multi-sport madness team with Keith Dixon, was a guy who kind of was running that as well. Um, and then, yeah, Ben, uh, you know, they just needed some ideas, and especially on Ben's run development back then. And so I was a guy that just kind of, you know, they they came to a lot. And so, and then I got to know his family, and then, of course, I have a, a junior program. So, we, you know, I'd see him at a lot of the junior races, watch his development over time, and just got to know him for many years, and then, and I was always kind of somebody, uh, I would say, I kind of had a seat at the table, so to speak. If you have like a, a resources and advisors, you know, I was one guy, hey, here's, you know, when my opinion was asked, I'd give it. Or, you know, look at some data, share that type of stuff. Um, and then after the Olympics, you know, he wasn't very happy with kind of how the year went. By then he had it kind of transitioned into working with Ryan Bolton. And then uh, and Ryan was much like I was, uh, a consultant. And then Adam kind of gave Ryan the reins. And, and then, you know, ben, ben went to the Olympics, but it wasn't what Ben wanted. And then he came to me after that and said, okay, you know, you, you know me. You know, what do you think here are my goals? He interviewed a few coaches, you know. And, uh, in fact, when I know when he was looking for a new coach, he went to Adam Zuko and said, I, you know, I think I need a new coach. 
what do you think? And he said, he said, Jim Vance. <laughs> so, uh, obviously it's worked out well. You know, I think I was just telling somebody the other day, 21 months now, I've been working with Ben directly and zero injuries. You know, I think that's, that says a lot right there. when you see the success we've had. Why so. do you think that is? What's, what's the philosophy? What's the, what's like the ground? Sure. There's, there's a lot of things, you know, I'm, I'm the benefit of uh, taking an athlete who's, who's, who comes to me and already has a large skill set. You know, I really, I'm just kind of working on the tip of the sword, so to speak. So, you know, he came to me very aerobically strong. Um, he was a little beat down though. He was very beat down actually. And I've been able to be very conservative in his training. I was able to convince him that he didn't need to do all this volume. I'm like you need a lower, lower volume, higher intensity approach to your training. And, you know, as I kind of told him, I asked him how many, how many races did you feel good at in 2016? He said two. I was like, dude, you do this for a living. You, you can't, you can't have that. And he's racing in 2016. How many times did he race? Oh gosh. I mean, probably 15 times, 15, yeah. 16 times. You know, uh, maybe more than that when you really think about it. Including um, the Olympics. Yeah. So it was, you know, it, really it was just a change of philosophy for him. I mean, a lot of, he was at a good point where he was ready to listen and take on new ideas. And then I laid out a plan and said, here's how I think we should do it. And he bought in. And, you know, I... <laughs> He, he was, I've had athletes in the past where we agree on a plan and then all that seems to happen is me constantly having to fix them not following the plan. <laughs> but Ben's not like that. That's the great yeah. thing. So, uh, you know, I, I would say that probably, you know, in a, in a great way, he was ready to embrace a new approach and different things and he liked the idea. Um, you know, I, I really didn't have to do that much strength work with him even aerobic strength work he's gotten away from a lot of it he's been very very low volume this year i mean he won ironman texas 70.3 on i think his largest week was 18 hours of training which is very very low a lot of age groupers do more so you're in you're increasing his his ability to perform on less volume while recovering him from being beat down yes what are some markers of like an athlete being beat down well, a lot of them are, are simple and basic. Uh, just are you generally fatigued? I think that's the number one thing athletes athletes get so used to being tired and fatigued. You know, I am a data guy. I'm kind of known as this big data guy. But what people don't really realize is I use data more so to make sure the athlete's well-being is, is, is right. That's really what I'm looking at. Are we improving? Are we not improving? And then that's, you know, I don't... I don't dig too much deeper than that. I don't need to. Yes, I can. At certain times, I will, especially when I want to compare performances or you know focus on certain metrics to develop. Um, but for the most part, it's it's really about just making sure that everything's good. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I left Training Peaks. I didn't think Training Peaks was a platform that could really do that. And as I started working with Ben. Uh, I started to realize too, like I've I've gotta I gotta find a way to be more in touch with how who he is and how he is, and so I switched over to a new company called Today's Plan, and they have really they really embrace subjective wellness ratings in a system that's uh, that's got ten 
10 daily ones and then three to six per workout. You know, um, everything from fatigue before, fatigue during, satisfaction, perform, you know, how they feel about the performance, um, their sleep quality, their mood, life stress, their diet. They just rate it on stars, you know. So many athletes, athletes aren't going to sit down and write out a life story to me. Here's exactly how my day went. That's what I was just thinking. Like, it makes it really easy for them. It's not like I'm thinking about that lumosity brain brain training that we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, you would actually probably love lumosity if you haven't checked it out. It's really, really, very, very intelligent brain training. And, but it will say like, you know, how do you feel today? And it's just mm-hmm. so easy. It's got like the big smiley face, like how long did you sleep, sleep. tonight? Mm-hmm. You know, last night. And so, because it is, you know, and that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, beyond the data, um, you know, how are, how are you, how are you measuring kind of like where they are mentally? But it sounds like you're getting this on a day to day basis, like just little nibbles every day of like, mm-hmm. here I am, because maybe the, the numbers look good but like the satisfaction is just dropping so then that's something to look at right and something to talk about and maybe they i don't know like what how would you approach that like let's say that satisfaction of the athlete is just dropping 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 but the numbers aren't really saying that that like the numbers are saying like hey everything should be good right now well one of the things i do is you know once you get to know the athlete too you set up alerts so when they log a certain thing i'm able to actually find that out immediately So I get a notification, hey, you know, your athlete just, you know, put this on this rating and you've asked for an alert on this. So and I can check. I can follow up with them immediately and understand. So hopefully I address it at that time when it's needed rather than... You're getting it while it's like fresh. Fresh. Yeah. And there needs to be this or that or, you know, you know, whatever, whatever the situation calls for in that, in that time. Um, You know, I'll say this too. Ben's success was was more mental than physical. Absolutely, there's there's no question in my mind. I mean, I I, I, I helped clear his mind. I I helped him recognize who he was, how good he was at certain things, and he he stopped worrying about other people. And he shows up to the line ready to race. Uh, you know, focused on his game. And he doesn't give a damn about anybody else. And I mean, that's why seventy point three worlds. He dove in the water and took the lead from the start and was like. I don't care that Gomez is in the race. And that's why I dropped Gomez on the first climb. And here's the Olympic silver medalist, this, you know, how many time world champion. And he's like, that was the goal. We were going to just, we're going to race to our strengths. We're going to force people to make decisions. And, and you know, it, maybe they don't want to make a decision. Well, then that decision will be made for them. We're going. And, and so once he started to have this confidence, it's not, I mean, Last year, he wanted to win three races. He wanted to win Alcatraz. He wanted to win uh, 70.3 Worlds. He wanted to win Island House. This year, we wanted to win 10 races. That's the difference in his confidence. He came to me with a list and said, I want to win these 10 races now. And that's just because now he's done it. He believes in himself. He doesn't worry about it. So now, you know, I think I think for most athletes, that's the hardest part to reach. Um, I knew he was... What's that? Belief. Belief, absolutely. Just confidence and knowing who they are and how, how to execute. They're worried too much about their competition. You know, which... Well, you're talking about changing belief systems. You're talking about like shifting neural pathways in the brain. Like sure. this, this, is, this is stuff that prevents people from succeeding all the time. 
Like it's huge. It is. It, mm-hmm. We all know mental is the biggest game there there is. Absolutely. You got to have the physical, of course. You got to do that work. But if you don't believe, like you have to believe, mm-hmm. because the the action is going to follow mm-hmm. that belief for Absolutely. sure. But it's also uh, the match. Like you and Ben mm-hmm. are a good match. Yeah. Like I think you touched upon it with some athletes that you. You have that original conversation and it's like, okay, we're on the same page. This is what we're doing. Like, mm-hmm. we're ready to go. Like, trust mm-hmm. me. Okay, great. And then like two months down the road, they're reading Instagram or they had a race and then some, mm-hmm. their buddy is crushing it. And it's like... Or they're talking to somebody at the pool. Right. Oh, they said I should do this with my stroke. And it's like, yeah, no, you're, exactly. you're, you're getting off the path. Exactly. So I think it's so important that, that the coach-athlete relationship, mm-hmm. you're both committed. You're both committed. Like it, sure. And it seems like you both are. Well, yeah. obviously you both are. But with the athletes that aren't, like, can you tell that right away? Or is it, is it, because I'm assuming you have other athletes. Sure. Other sure athletes, just, you know, Ben's just one of them. Sure. Really good one. Um, but the relationship with, with each of these athletes, like, y- you can't just use Ben's platform for each one. They're all no, unique no. individuals. Absolutely. And so, how, yeah, how do you approach each individual and, and, and maybe bring out that belief and best in each one? Well, every... In my book, uh, Triathlon 2.0, which was about using data to coach yourself for for like half Ironman Ironmans, you know, like a GPS watch and heart rate monitor and power meter on your bike and stuff. I, I, I spoke in that book about the fact that every athlete has a metric. You just have to find what it is. Every single athlete has a metric they value that changes things for them, changes the game. And a lot of athletes don't don't realize that. A lot of them, you could ask them what their metric is that matters most to them. They couldn't tell you. Some athletes, it's weight. Some athletes, it's something as simple as when I run my neighborhood loop, what's the time? Mm. You know, and wow, that's the fastest I've ever run that. Man, I'm doing well. And suddenly the switch goes off and the confidence just rises. And that's that, you know, that's the button that I'm always looking to push. Where does that happen with an athlete? And it's hard to do that with an athlete who doesn't give you data. You know, it's hard to do that with an athlete who who doesn't do the subjective ratings. You know, um, who isn't willing to communicate in that. So, you know, uh, people think I'm a successful coach, and I would say yes, I'm a successful coach. But I've had plenty of athletes fail under me too. <laughs> you know, I, I'll be honest. Um, and so I don't know why. Um, and I felt like the subjective parts of things was probably had a lot to do with it. I know one athlete was not improving and then finally he just flat out told me Jim I'm an alcoholic and I you know I got to make some changes in my life and that's why I've not been improving mm-hmm. um you know other people divorces personal relationship issues kids you know just you know these these things all come up and there's I mean that was the thing I was always looking just at swim swim workouts run data ride data I'm like you know I realized I'm looking at a very small piece of a person here and quite honestly, mental health, uh, I think a lot of people aren't, aren't as many mentally healthy as they really think, uh, truly and honestly. I completely agree with that. BJ and I were just having a conversation the other night about it. And I, and, and his, you know, this, in this dialogue, he was saying, but I don't, I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't you want to change? Why wouldn't you want to be the best? Why, why? And I said, but take it, a, take it one level, like even deeper than that. I think mm-hmm because I've been there, I think a lot of people don't even see that change is something that 
could be really beneficial for their life. So everything's kind of like, well, it's good. I've got good days. I've got bad days. Sometimes I fight really, you know, loudly mm-hmm. with my husband. Sometimes I hate my boss. Sometimes I love my boss. And mm-hmm. that all of this is just kind of like normalcy. But when in fact there could be a change in there that mm-hmm. would just elevate success mm-hmm. in everything, every relationship in all your sports. And I know that I was there because I've quoted myself before. I remember saying, like, I'm, I'm looking out at other people and saying, I'm so glad I have nothing to work on. <laughs> I mean, like, you want to talk about a red flag? And it wasn't even in that moment. Like, that wasn't my aha moment, by the yes. way. There was my aha moment came years <laughs> later. But that, I, I really, I think sure. the veil is thick, sure. you know, and it's easy to see it in other people. But, to, but I think that that's a, a great way to start seeing it within yourself is noticing, like, what am I seeing in other people? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Like, what, are, what am I? Oh, that person's so stressed. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of turn that around. Like, I'm so stressed. Am I a little yeah. stressed? Could I be less stressed? Mm-hmm. Right? Could I be more kind? Could I be less reactive? You know, mm-hmm. just kind of turning it around and, and flipping it in a way where it's a, a kind question to yourself and, and starting to, to look. And I think that that's where greatness is in everything. And of course, in athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to hear you. I love to hear you talk like this because even just in research leading up to our, our conversation, it was all like you're, you're coined as the data guy. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. the data is... But the, the science of the mind to, is right. data. It doesn't have to be yes. pure numbers. Like data is da- the tool. Yeah. That is just the tool. That is just a tool. You know, it, it's a relationship. It's, you know, I, I don't care who you are. You'll never be an athlete with no weaknesses. You just won't. So you've got to, you have, you have to show to the line confident enough that you can overcome your weaknesses. And a lot of athletes, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. I say in the book too. Um, I can tell, I tell my swimmers, I can tell how you're going to swim by how you step on the block, just in their body language. They're ready or they're not where their eyes go, you know, just little things like that. When I was racing, it didn't matter if I was training really well or training poorly. Honestly, it, it was more about, I can go back to my good races and my bad races. It was, what was I thinking on the start line? That usually was the t- biggest determinant of the race result. So I believe it's 90%. What, what can I get them thinking? Um, Canute, when, when last year at Alcatraz, they canceled the swim. First time in the race's history. Small craft advisory. Couldn't put boats out there. Couldn't put lifeguards. Couldn't put anything. You know, on lifeguards on paddle boards, nothing. So they canceled the swim. And he's known as the swimmer. You know, and, and in fact, one athlete told him, one of the pros turned to him and said, you're the happiest swimmer I've ever seen have a swim canceled. And he was like, I don't care. I'm ready to race. And he, I knew he was going to win that race. And I, I flew up and was there. And I guess I could just tell. He was just oozing confidence. And... I knew that it was going to happen. And even when they canceled the swim, he still dominated and won. And nobody believed it. And then in July last year, he sent me a text and basically said, I can win the 70.3 Worlds. I was like, the switch has been clicked. Like, there we go. That's the number one thing. It's like when he believes it and he shows up to the line, totally different story. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this, there's like this mental momentum in races. You know, also, I tend to find, and I find this a lot with kids when I work with juniors. You know, one thing goes right, the first thing goes right, it starts to raise their expectations, especially in triathlon. You know, I'm all about get to that buoy. 
I don't care about anything else. I know you'll handle it. I don't want you to think about anything else. Except when that gun goes off, you get your ass to that buoy. If you can't be first, you be second. You can't be second, you be third. But you get your ass to that buoy. And that's all you're thinking about. And then when they do that, and they get to that point, it's, if they've done it successfully, it raises everything. It raises their confidence. Suddenly their expectations on what they can do in the race change. You know, and I've seen it time and time again where an athlete just, you know, they, they suddenly find themselves swimming with people that they didn't expect. Now they come out of the water and they're in a different pack that they haven't been in, you know, and they know that they've done well and just the positivity of the experience raises. And then, and that just carries over and carries over and carries over, you know, from one to the next. So it's like this snowball that just rolls faster and faster. And it's, and so, you know, that's why, you know, when Ben got a four minute lead at Sony Point Three Worlds, he wasn't like, oh, this is too much. I'm going too hard. He didn't care. And he was like, I'm doing my race. This is what I'm going to do. Yes. Momentum and, is. Momentum will like carry you. It mm -hmm. will, you get, you get, it's like you step into a slipstream, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you don't do the work there, mm -hmm. right? It's not like, oh, here's the momentum. I feel it catching up, and then you just kind of sit there and ride it. Like, mm -hmm. you got to keep the momentum going. Sure. Like, it's just finally, like for Ben, like between I'm going to win three races and 10 races, the mm -hmm. momentum has caught up to him. Mm -hmm. And now he feels it, and he's like, Psh. Yeah, like to go from three to ten. Like some people would be like, "That's cr I could, you know, I could never go from three to 10. Mm -hmm. Well, of course you can. When you're in momentum, and mm -hmm. all you have to do is carry that because that's energy. And it, like once energy starts moving, mm -hmm. it's a hell of a lot easier to just keep it moving sure. than to stop it and say, "Okay, I've done enough this year. I've run, I've won five races, and that's mm -hmm. plenty. And now mm -hmm. I'm gonna rest." And it's like keep the momentum going. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And yeah. And it, when you're in that and you allowed yourself to be in that slipstream and you will continue to get wins everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it is just getting to that buoy, whatever it is, but celebrate. I always say that to you, BJ, you know, as an outside observer, as you're working with your athletes, like, okay, where's the, like, they had a terrible workout. They just had, well, where's the victory? Mm -hmm. there's like five victories mm -hmm. in there let's pull the victories <laughs> out and mm -hmm. start talking about mm -hmm. the victories first sure you know right and then what what so we've been talking a lot about the victories and and you know and getting people to believe in themselves so what about their their challenges like they're shifting like a, a weakness into a strength or maybe just a belief that it can become a strength right so as far as like if you've got somebody that's, you know, kind of stuck in some negativity, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you start bringing them into seeing that there's, there's victories in there? Well, generally when, where there's negativity and lack of confidence, there's generally a lack of logic. <laughs> I, love that. I tend to find. So it's just looking for the, the logic in, in, you know, and showing them, but that's not a logical belief. Yes. Look here. And that tends to, you know, one of those switches that you try to flip. Uh, I've been working with Amy Dixon, you know, visually impaired, uh, you know, Paralympic hopeful, you know, and she's, she came to me and quite honestly, she was a mess. Um, physically, she was coming off like a hernia surgery and, and we just started this year together. Um, and, you know, just so much of it's just been getting her to realize like, Things she says, well, you know, I don't want to go too hard in the swim. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a race. Like, 
you're going hard in the swim. I don't want you holding back. Like, like, no, we're racing. Oh, yeah, it's a race. It's like just that. And now, okay, no, you're moving up in your, in your training group. You're, you're moving up a lane. Like, it's time. But, 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 but what? What, uh, what if I'm not fast enough? You'll get faster. This is the other thing, and I, I tell this, you know, Coronado High School swim team is where I've been coaching the last three years too, and you know, I told the, I told the kids, you got to raise your expectations of yourself. I said, you come here every day, you work your butt off in the pool, and a lot of you will step on that block and think that you haven't improved, and that's ridiculous. Belief. Yes. These are the belief systems. Yes. You, you, you don't, I mean, in what way does it make sense to go and do something every day expecting to improve, you know, to try and improve, but then step on the block and not expect to improve, to have any improvement? It's just, I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't give a damn who's in the right lane, who's in the left lane. It's, you know, go, you know? And uh, I, did a, I do a drill with them every year, and they kind of now they kind of know it's coming because I've done it three years. <laughs> um, They're on to it. <laughs> but so, you know, I've been pretty lucky in that program. I've had some pretty talented kids, some really talented water polo players, especially uh, Riley Ferguson, who now is a, is a sprinter on the swim team at UC Santa Barbara, and, uh, and also Ryan Arms. So uh, uh, it was one year younger. So I took those two kids that were water polo players and made them college sprinters, Division One college sprinters. And, you know, they weren't club swimmers. They were just water polo in high school. Swim. Yeah, but they got the strength. Yeah. They've got the they've got the like the gusto like mm-hmm. they're gonna go for it sure. and they like there's there's not a lot of I don't think there's a lot of fear there like no. to kind of, to pull out a water polo water polo is pretty yes. aggressive yes. we watch yeah. those guys practice, practice. like in Carlsbad yeah. and mm-hmm. it's insane and, and they're uh, just the kids to pull them out yeah. of polo mm-hmm. and then throw them in a lane <laughs> you know well I I actually the drill that I do is. Uh, it started one day where I just flat out asked him. I said, you know, Riley was coming off fourth in the California state meet, you know, was, was, you know, one of the best sprinters in the country, you know, uh, and then, and Ryan was a one year under younger than him. And I just flat out said, Ryan, if I put, Ryan was a little bit slower than Riley. I said, Ryan, if I put you and Riley on the block and you race, you race at 25, who wins? He says, Riley. I said, okay. I take a water polo ball, I throw it out there in the water. Who's getting it? He says, me. I was like, you just said Riley's faster. He says, I don't care. I said, that's right. Suddenly, I just took your, I got your, your focus off of Riley and onto your goal, which is the ball. You didn't give a damn about Riley's speed. You just knew what you wanted. You were focused and clear. So what we do is I just I team up kids that, I know, I know kids that are certain, certainly feisty, and like I'm like, all right, here you go. I'm gonna throw this water bottle in the pool. Who's getting it? You know, or grab a water polo ball. I even know some girls against some guys. And you'd be amazed. And it's like suddenly, and it's like see, a stupid piece of rubber, and suddenly your whole mindset changes. The switch goes off. You don't care. You don't care anymore. You, your fear is gone. You know, you know, you're not worried about executing this or that. It's just go. I'm like, that's what I want. That's all I want. You step on the block. That's what I want. Clear about what you're going to do. What's what the focus is. And once, you know, not every athlete buys into it. That's the challenge. You know, you're always trying to push different buttons. You know, I got back my survey and 
that the kids fill out on the season judging me, you know, as a coach. And it's funny how, like, you know, oh, I learned so much. I didn't learn anything. You know, oh, I learned, oh, this was so great. You were so positive and reinforcing. You were so mean to me. <laughs> like, all right. these things. Right. Well, I, was I like, think that's, <laughs> like, it's, it's, the, it's so clear cut. It's, like, who's open? Who's mm-hmm. a sponge? Who wants to be the best? Who Absolutely. wants to learn? And who's, who's in that, like, that self-sabotage, like, shut off, exactly. kind of scared Self-sabotage right? is exactly what it Self-sabotage is. Self-sabotage is so deep. It's so Oof. sticky. Uh-huh. It's so sticky. <laughs> the, um, the point, uh, good point there was the, um, you're basically identifying in these athletes, you're going into their, basically their file system and you're saying like, what can I associate? What's, what have they already achieved? Like what's mm-hmm. something that they can connect with? And I think that sheds light into our selective the way that we selectively choose where we use our will as athletes. Mm -hmm. So if uh, we had this conversation with Ellie Abramson, like she's a, uh, I know Ellie. She was one of my juniors. Okay. And we were talking with her, like she's like with the swim, she's just struggling with the swim and struggling with the swim. And, and, but she would go out and do a run. No problem. 10 miles, hard tempo, whatever. It didn't matter because she's a runner. And so like, why was she being selective and using that will and, and power on the run and not using that same will to, to battle the swim, right? Sure. So as a, co- as a good coach, you're aware and you listen to that. So mm-hmm. you're, you're picking out with these athletes. And it's so great even younger. Mm-hmm. Like the younger you can, you can tap into this, the more confidence they have going into life. And whatever that next step is, it doesn't matter sure. if it's the swimming sprint or polo, water polo. It just whatever they do, now they're building that confidence in themselves. But I think that's a really good skill to have to associate what what they've achieved in sure. their past that's positive. Yes. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe just running down to the store as quick as they can when they were a kid. Like it doesn't matter what it is, but tapping into that. Sure. And then bring up that belief. Mm-hmm. Because we get so caught up in these I'll go back to the data, the time. So you ask the kid on top of the block, like, why isn't he fast as Riley? Maybe because in practice he's done a what, a nineteen and the guy's done an eighteen. Like mm. They're going back to the numbers. And this is what I see, at least with, with yeah, our sure. athletes. But just remove that, right? And you can't, you can't really put a number on what's inside, mm-hmm. like that belief and strength and power mm-hmm. that can come up in those situations when you're supposed to race. Absolutely. We had, uh, I've had Ben come out and train with the kids at Coronado High School a bit. And there was one workout where I absolutely just ripped a kid. <laughs> just ripped him. I was so mad because he's so talented. And as soon as the interval started, he let Ben go. Like, he's right next to Ben. And, just, and I just stopped working. I just laid into him. I'm like, you just quit from the start because he's an Olympian. You were scared to death from the start. You wouldn't even go. He's not swimming that fast. You just think it's too fast. I'm like, there's not too many times in your life you're going to have the opportunity to test yourself mano a mano against an Olympian. Now, damn it, this next interval better go a lot better. And, you know, and yeah, he didn't beat Ben in that next interval, but it was just big change. Like, oh, you know, just catching him in that moment. And and sometimes I can yell at a kid like that and lay, you know, and they'll, they'll take it, you know. But And that's something, you know use that to inflect the point a little more. Well, that's, that's what we would call like clean anger. Yes. Like you're not taking like your baggage out on exactly. some kid. Exactly. You're, you're seeing potential mm-hmm. getting flushed down the toilet exactly. out of fear and self-sabotage. Exactly. And that's like good, clean anger to 
express because anger can be used as a motivator. Absolutely. Like a good motivator. Yeah. And, and that may be a moment that that kid never forgets. Yeah. I, mean, I, I still remind him of it a little bit <laughs> when I see <laughs> hey, him. Just in case you forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a super smart kid. I, I remember even he had to go to Stanford because they were flying him up or cow. I think it was cow. It was just, I mean, he's like, test scores are ridiculously good. I'm like, geez, you're so smart. If you just believe in yourself, like <laughs> you're, you're the smartest kid in the pool, hands down. You're probably smarter than all the coaches on deck. <laughs> but, you know. And it, I think that's, that's so. a testament to how, how powerful belief is. Sure. I'll so agree. when you're looking at these young kids coming up, is there like, is there a common thread that you see either in their physical skill or their mental skill that just tells you like these kids are, these kids are going to, this kid's going to be great. Well, it's hard. I can't say I've ever seen a kid that has um, a physical skill and I'm like, wow, you know, they're going to be great because generally it's, I worry more about can they handle it? Can they handle the pressure? Because pressure goes up. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why Ben's been so successful is because he doesn't worry about pressure anymore. It's not. <laughs> I think that, that was the title of our podcast with him was like not getting caught up in the hype. It was something mm -hmm. his dad told him. Yeah. Don't believe the hype. Don't yeah. believe the hype. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. still, he's still a, real, a lot about that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, I see, you know, I have a young, young girl on the team that on my junior team that is probably the most talented kid I've ever worked with. And she's got it between the years, from what I can see. She's she's happy. She's excited. She's super competitive, you know. But I'm trying not to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean that's that's the honest truth. I'm like, don't don't put a lot of pressure on her. Keep it fun. Teach her long haul. That's that you know that's that's the biggest challenge we have is is and people don't really understand is people want to work so hard in training for this just to be fit now. It's like, and that's one of the things I got Ben to recognize. He's like, Ben, just be consistent. Don't worry. Like, the fitness will come. We don't have to take a lot of big risk in training. That's where most athletes get, get, get training wrong. They take way too much risk. They go to the track and they do eight 400s instead of four. Like, you don't need eight. Because they think eight is better than yes. four. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I this kind of goes back to that first question of, like, athletes that are beat down. This... Mm -hmm. This, um, and I think maybe you'll agree that it comes from this really flawed belief that more is better. Yeah. And people want this instant gratification of, I got to get fit now. I don't have much time. I got to, I got to rush. I got to get there. And it's like, slow down, slow down. There'll always be more races. Like this is, this is, you know, long, long haul, long vision. So, you know, take a little bit of risk. Step one, step two, step three. You're thinking about step 500. Like, let's let's just start here, and work work slow. You know, I'm, you know, I go back to Amy Dixon. That was one of the things that we worked on. I I got her back to just you no, know, be here, be consistent. You know, try this. This is, you know, she's like, but, but what about that? But what? I'm like, let's just see what this gives us before we judge it already. You know, <laughs> and then she goes. She has a great race. You know, and then now in Sarasota, and then like, okay, now I've learned a bit, work on these things. Here's the next thing we're going to work on. Well, I still got this, this, and this. I'm like, slow down. Let's work on this. There'll be time. And then she goes to uh, Italy, 
the big paratriathlon world series race gets third you know it's on the podium and she just wrote a big thing where in one point in the race she was fifth and she thought it was over she's like um i'll never catch those girls and then suddenly she just started catching them you know luckily she has her guide with her that can yell at her and be there in the moment to help her <laughs> yeah because something something switched mentally absolutely so she's been working i know with Simon Marshall, who's uh, who wrote that book, Calm the F Down and Rise the Occasion. Mm-hmm. He's, his wife is uh, Leslie Patterson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah calm. So mm-hmm. I, wor- I work a lot with athletes on their, on their mindset training through mm-hmm. meditation, through mm-hmm. really the basis of calm. Yeah. Because when you're calm, you can take in that field. We were actually talking um, to Angela uh, Neath about this because she's worked with Mark Allen, and we talked about like just... Like you can take in the field, right? You can take in your competitors. You can take in the, the, the fight that's happening during the swim. You can take it all in as it's happening. But when you have a practice of like just anchoring into that now moment, into that calm, mm-hmm. you can navigate anything sure. more powerfully. Yeah. You don't have, because when we get all crazy about it, we're not, it's, we're in the future. We're not even where we are right now. And we lose we lose our um, we lose our capacity mm-hmm. completely, and then that's just where things fall apart, and then it's a, it's a spiral. Yeah. From there. One of the things I try to have athletes do is ride out the race the whole day, when it's race day, from the time they wake up till they cross the finish line. Tell me what's going to happen, and I give them some guideline questions on what time you're going to get up, when you're going to get to the race venue, what your warm up going to be, all this, and excuse me, and so they write this out. And, uh, and then what they have to do is I want, uh, after the race, I want them to go back and go through it and answer those questions. How did it go? What time did you get up? What time did you get to the race? How did you pace the run? What happened? And then they, then they begin to see, here's what I planned. Here's what I did. Is, is, is there a connection or is it a big disconnect in terms of what they planned and what actually happened? You know, and I think that athletes can begin to see too, like what they're, you know, where they're really at in terms of, you know, absorbing, you know, what their capacity is for all this stimulus and their ability to filter it and stay on, stay on point with what they want. Um, I've also done a lot where, a lot with my juniors where, you know, it's hard to plan a race like a draft legal race. And this is probably one of Ben's best, best traits, believe it or not, is Ben can take a strategy and execute it even in a draft legal race, almost to the letter. Like, in a way that I'm just, like, I've been really impressed sometimes. But, you know, in a draft legal race, there's so many variables and situations. You have to make judgment calls. So you can't, there's no way you can predict everything. You know, you just, sometimes you can, a few things, but so many things are out of your control. Like, uh, you know, if you're in the lead pack, how, how well is the chase behind you? How well organized and what the cap is going to be? You only have so much control of that. So, but, so what are the things you focus on for yourself in those moments? And you got to be calm enough and understand, yeah, this is what I'm, this is what I'm focused on in that moment. You know, the, we, we do it at, uh, we do it at, uh, the beginning, uh, what do I say? Intro core and end at the start of this, this is my focus and the core, this is what I'm focused on and executing. And at the end, here's what I'm focused on. We do that for every segment of the race. So obviously we already talked about it in the swim, the start, it's first buoy. First buoy, boom, and that's that's all I want. Just to focus on this right now. Stay calm, and that's the thing. It turns their you know like turns their attention from the field, 
Our competitors to the buoy. Here's what I'm on. This is where I want to be. My dad tells me, he's like, man, you're like this mindfulness guy now and all this. And I'm like, he read my book. He's like, this is all about mindfulness and this and that. And, <laughs> he, and I'm like, well, I was like, yeah, well, I never got trained in all that. I learned it just the hard way. And, and so I didn't know the buzzword. <laughs> right. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter, like, if we're using, like, you know, just the, the, you know, what words come to us authentically or we're using, like, yoga words or whatever, you know, we, we just did an uh, interview yeah. with Erin Carson and we were talking just a little bit about yoga and she was like, you know, a little iffy on yoga because she's like, oh, I think yoga just overstretches and it's funny. So then she put up um, a, a demo on her app, like for some strength and mobility. And I'm like, so much of this is yoga. Like I, you know, and so it's, it's, uh, you know, it's like acupuncture and dry needling, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's whatever you put the, the label to. So I think naturally when we start to really ground in and into that moment that we're in and and we realize through trial and error that that is the place that we're at full capacity Uh that it comes naturally like Uh the we'll start to deepen that the more we hang out there it starts to deepen and then we start to get some dialogue around it like I didn't go to mindfulness school you know like I just (laughs) meditate and I and before I meditated I just practiced mindfulness I just practiced you know, experiencing a moment in my life. Like if I would catch myself, if I'm caught up with how am I going to finish this marathon of an Ironman with my foot is like so painful right now and I'm at mile three, like I just realized that that wasn't helpful. Uh (laughs) So what is helpful? Okay, just take like this breath that I'm in is cool. So I'll hang out here for, and then there's that aid station right there. So I'm just going to get there. Uh And you just keep, you keep narrowing in where your attention is and then eventually with the more you do that over time it starts to stick right mm-hmm. into that moment that you're in and you're able to execute without getting caught up in the chaos because the chaos is going to happen we live in a chaotic world but we don't have to go with that we don't have to be crazy too correct i agree and i think that that's the you know when yeah. we've sat across the table mm-hmm. from a lot of olympians and a lot of professionals and i've said this so many times i that common thread that I see amongst them all to different degrees and coaches as well, like just real high performance coaches is this, this mindfulness to be mindful, to be, to be conscious in a moment. Well, I, I had created this uh, run and this was in the book, uh, one of the, both books actually run with power in triathlon 2.0 where yeah, I called it back then. I called it the envelope run. It was just about pushing the envelope, but in a way that's controlled. Because I, I, when I explain it to athletes, it's there comes a point in every race. I don't care what the distance is. I don't care, uh, you know, what sport it is. There's no such thing as harder anymore. Harder is done. Now what do you do? What do you do when harder is not an option? You know. Okay. So, so and that's the thing. So many athletes go out and work on harder. But they don't work on, okay, what do I do when harder's done? And there's no more hard. Like, I can't go any harder in, in, at mile, you know, 20 of the marathon in Ironman. It's done. <laughs> harder is done. <laughs> One foot in front of the other is about all I can manage. That's, that's the limit of, of where I'm at. You know, in a 5K, a mile on the track, it doesn't matter. A swim race, it's like I'm going as hard as I absolutely can in this moment right now for what I can give. So what do you do? How do you how do you still perform? 
And that's that run is designed to specifically work on that. Get the athletes to learn about themselves and notice like, okay, I'm at this point where I'm comfortable, but to go any faster, I have to go harder. You're not allowed to do that. You have to figure out a way to be faster without going harder. And it really turns the focus back on them and what they're doing and staying in the moment and, and really learning. Like for some athletes, they may notice my feet are loud when I, when I make my feet quieter. Suddenly I'm, it's faster. Oh, forward lean, my arm carriage. I need to just relax. Relax. I think Sorry. relax is, the, that's where, is that's such what a, coming to me. yeah, the, the big you one. Just, and not relax like you're slowing down, but relaxing into what our reptilian brain wants to fight. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's that calm, like calm. I've been doing these intervals on the on the treadmill, and by the time I get to the the time when I, I'm pushing past what I have done before, let's say I've done four before, and now I'm doing like five or six, mm-hmm. I get to the end of them, and I know I have thirty seconds left, and I just take a breath, and I relax my shoulders, mm-hmm. and it's just all of a sudden it's just like I just you realize it's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> and and what I try to do is, can I go another minute more? I don't do it, but I'm like, can I go another minute more? Hmm. And it's like, yeah, I can go another minute more. But you, but but up to that point, it's like, what was I doing? Like, what was I doing? I wasn't relaxing. I wasn't mm-hmm. into the flow of whatever that pace or run was. And, and here's something else. So many athletes try this. And, and I mean, it's going to happen. It's physiology. You're going to lose focus. You're going to get a foggy mind. You're going to come in and out of this cloudiness and clarity. You're going to bounce between mm-hmm. the two worlds. Athletes so many times think they're failing. I can't do it. I just I, I lose focus. I come out. Like, if you're doing it right, you're failing a lot in it. <laughs> like if you're really pushing the limits, you know, if it's like, no, I can stay in a clear mind the whole time and I'm good, no, then you're not going hard enough. And that's You've got a lot more you can give. So it's that you'll fail constantly in this. You'll, you'll come in and out. And I need to remind my athletes, like, especially, you know, uh, when, when you have a lot on the line, that's, that's important. You know, I'm working with a young man named Arturo Beltran, lives here in San Diego now. And he's from Venezuela, been through a lot. Um, you know, he was training in Caracas as well as he could, couldn't really leave his neighborhood or his house. And, mm-hmm. We've, we got him out of there and brought him. I've been working with him for this is our fourth year. Went to the World Junior Championships last year. Uh, we're going to go this year. He quali- just qualified in Brazil. We were down there. And him, it's all been about you know building confidence and getting him into these things. And he's just like you know I throw him in a World Cup before the junior race, for the junior camp try, which is was to get him to the Worlds. And he, he was like, I mean, he got his butt kicked. It's like good. Well, now you'll. Now you realize how much easier it is when we race junior races. <laughs> and, and his confidence when we went to Brazil, I mean, he was so confident. He's like, I'm, oh, I'm so ready for this. It was, so again, it was like just that, that, that plan and that process. And, and we've been working a lot on, Hey, okay. in the run, here's what we focus on. Here's, here's how we go. And, you know, and just, just understand it's, things are going to go wrong. If we do it right, a few things will go wrong. You know, on the run, you'll 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 struggle, and you'll recognize it's just you gotta recognize and leap back up. Okay, relax, come back, center, recenter, get back to what. Wake back up. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because when we're when we're not in that moment, we're not we're not fully available. So it's like it's the wake up, and the only I always say this to people like, the only moments that matter are the ones when you find yourself mm-hmm. way off from where you need to be, and you bring yourself back. Mm-hmm. And even if you're there for a half a second 
and you're off again and you bring yourself back. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the only moments that matter sure. is, are you willing to keep coming back or are you going to spiral out in, in that thought about the future, which doesn't even exist, mm-hmm. but you're very much creating it from the thoughts that you're, that you're buying into. Yeah. Yeah. So just coming back into the moment and then just rela- like leaning into that discomfort, just, just allow that discomfort to come in. Mm-hmm. It's not going to, it's, it's, it's really over riding that reptilian brain. I mean, it mm-hmm. really is in a sure. way, but the thing is, is that the reptilian brain has gotten like the fight or flight at the center of our brains has gotten so huge. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen this from studies of meditation that one of the things, even after eight weeks of just sitting quietly once a day, that part of your brain starts to lose connectivity. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're going to walk out into the middle of, you know, the 805 because you're not going to, you're not going to lose that much, but it's just that it's gotten to a point where the, the, you know, you get a voicemail and you're in this like really sympathetic response and your body's in a stress response. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, to just keep coming back to just what's happening right now. And then you start to see truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is my legs are turning over. Truth mm-hmm. is I can go a little harder. Truth is, I cannot go a little harder, so I'm just going to relax into it. But it's, it's that truth, right? Mm-hmm. Like training and racing and living from the truth and not the, not the stories. True story. I was uh, doing my first Ironman. It was Florida. I was, I was in third place, and I'd gone out pretty darn fast. I think I came off the bike in fifth and run quickly into third. I ran my first four miles in like... 23 minutes so 545 mile pace i was rolling pretty good of course i paid for that late (laughs) (laughs) right around mile 19 uh, i describe it as this the first four miles were fast and i swear i was holding back and it was easy and i was like good here we go you know it's gonna be a great day miles you know miles seven you know seven to ten got a little harder ten to thirteen Okay, I'm not bad. I'm halfway. This is good. 14 and 19 got exponentially harder every mile. <laughs> Go figure. And, and mile 20 to 23 were four of the darkest miles of my life. And then I was like, oh, wait, I just have a 5K left. I got this. But I rolled right around in one of those dark, dark miles. I was, I literally was like coming up to an aid station and having a conversation with myself like, do not walk. Do not walk. If you walk, you will never run again. You will never, ever run again. And then the race is over. And here I am in third. I'm running really well. <laughs> right, because <laughs> you could have been like, top five's good. <laughs> yeah. Top ten's good. And I'm telling myself, if I stop and walk to this aid station, I, I've, I'm, the race is over. And I've got like a big, a fairly big gap on fourth. So it's absolutely <laughs> no logic whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Oh my God. Like, no, no, don't walk. Don't walk. Oh, it's over. Oh, the race is over. I was just, I just remember having this battle in my mind. Like, I can't believe I just blew it. I just blew this race, this incredible race. Cause I'm walking now. And then I walked about five, six steps down through the aid station, getting some stuff. And I'm like, Oh wait, I can run again. Hey, look at this. I'm back running. This is a, so you talk about truth. It's like, the truth really was, <laughs> I wasn't. And you probably <laughs> needed those five steps to just calmly get, get that. Exactly. Gather yourself. Get yeah. that nutrition in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'll never, ever forget that moment where <laughs> I was absolutely illogical and out of my brain. I mean, I was just, I believed the worst fear possible. Like I, I will, I'll never run again. 
Never. I wasn't like, I won't run in the race. Like, I'll never, ever be able to run again. That's really what I had convinced myself. You were catastrophizing. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> so it was, it was so funny to think back to that moment. And, and that's really a moment that I learned a lot. I'm like, you know, I see it with other athletes now. And mm-hmm. Just getting them to come out of that and realize, no, it's not that. It's not that at all. You know, Amy in the swim, she thinks the swim is, oh, I can't go hard in the swim. It's going to affect everything else. I'm like, no, you are going to go hard in the swim and it's not going to affect everything else. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and getting and having her experience that and getting some truth around sure. it. And then that every race is different. Yeah. Every day is different. Exactly. That's the beauty of the sport. Yeah. I mean, so what was your pace? So you want to loop back to your pace. So what did your pace end up being for the, for that? I think I ran mm-hmm. 254. So what is that? Six, six fifty, six forty something. Maybe. So you talk about the, I think you talked about the 5% thing with Bob Babbitt. Yeah. Like people going out too fast, going yeah. out too fast. <laughs> I learned it. Remember the trial and error part of this conversation? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So explain that a little bit for our, cause we've got a lot of Ironman, um, athletes Listeners, that listen yeah. to this. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the too long didn't read version is don't go out too fast. Um, <laughs> Done. The, but no, you know, generally it's about, you know, athletes have to think about what they can run realistically. Yeah, so you have, you have to have an honest conversation about what you can run. If you're a more experienced Ironman athlete, you probably know realistically what you can run and what your training says you can do. Um, if you go any basically about 10 seconds faster for that first mile, it's over. You've, you've blown that opportunity. I mean, you're so, you're, you're so far deep as it is in the fatigue and that, that you know that the costs are even more exponential. You're on the you're on the steep part of the exponential curve in terms of cost at that point. So, you know it's and you just see it. You see athletes. You know it's goes. Let's go back to that truth. So what are they telling themselves? I got to go fast now. The race is won or lost right here in this first mile off the bike. That's not true. It's not true at all. The race is won and lost in the last five miles of the run. You know, I tell athletes too, you, you can, how much, how much effort and energy and work is it going to take to, to ride 10 minutes faster on an Ironman bike? And I'll tell you, oh, a lot. That's going to be about this. Okay. I was like, walk one mile and you lost that 10 minutes. And guess what? If you're walking one mile, you're probably walking more than one mile. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anybody just walk the last mile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ever. You know, like, oh, it was going great. I ran all 25 yeah. and then had to walk the last one in. It's like, no, that didn't happen. So, so yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it really is understanding that. And, you know, that's where run power meters hopefully will, will help give athletes, you know, a lot more guidance. Now, I can't say this is, this is the number all athletes should be at, you know, because so much, like we say, is you know, different races, different days, different conditions, different demands. You know, how well did you... Do your nutrition. How well did you not do your nutrition? How well did you pace on the bike? You know, is it a hot environment? Is it a cold environment? All these things. Um, so, you know, it's it's really we're still kind of on the on the learning part of all that. Um, I was able to make some pretty good recommendations to Ben on what I thought he could run off the bike in seventy point three worlds last year, and I said you can't go over three hundred and forty watts. And I didn't want to. The great thing too is. I don't know that I've loved about run power, especially with Ben is 
I've gotten him away from thinking of him judging his workouts based on pace. He 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 no longer worries about pace. Like when I when I'm especially in those times when I'm like you know I know he's carrying some fatigue. I don't know how this is gonna go. So I don't prescribe a workout based on pace. I'm like, we're going to run these watts. Well, if, we're, if we're doing tempo efforts or something like that, we're on these watts. And he's like, oh, okay, I can do that. And then he just sees what the pace gives him, what those watts give him per pace. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to do more of the envelope stuff. Like, okay, well, if I want to go faster, how can I stay in these watts and try to go faster? Mm-hmm. And it's it's been that's been really a game changer. You know, I think... And that goes back to probably some of the ways that I've worked with Ben to help raise his confidence. You know, when Ben goes to the track and if I want him to run, if I really want him to be successful in a workout, um, you know, like we're doing 400s on the track, I'll tell him, you know, your goal today is 69 seconds. Really, I want, I'm hoping that he runs 67, but I'm not telling him that. And then he goes and he runs 67s. You know, if I think he can run right around 67, I'm like, all right, you're going to run 69s. And he finishes the workout, and he's like, man, I nailed that. Got And me, I'm like, that's about what I thought. You know, but he's walking away like champion of the world, he thinks. You know, so, and, and, you know, he still has that one thing where he likes to go. I have to be careful about workouts that I give him because he'll, he'll look back and be like, how did I do that workout? How well was I in that one? He likes to judge it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it's amazing. Even with data, we're going back to the mental side. Right. Numbers right. and what he thinks and right, justifies. Right. Or because it's the belief that's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna precede mm-hmm. the result. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. It's, it's the belief. Um, so yeah, this. So you. So stride. How long has that been on the market? That's the running power meter. Well, I wrote the book. It came out in 2015, 16. Now it's back then. It was a chest-based sensor. Mm-hmm. And now it's a foot pod. Were you part of that development? Did you create it? No, I, I, I just my job has always been to educate, use and educate. Yeah. So. Um, Do you feel like it's going to be? Because I was ch- checking out. It's not like it's not like a massive investment. It's a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, two hundred bucks. So. Two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that this is? I mean, because I I feel like the bike power meter has definitely come in as kind of the sure. way to go. Do you feel like the run is going to go this way too? I mean, you sure. see it with what you've worked with your athletes. Um, sure. That it's a beneficial way to start working. Yeah, I mean, think about what the biggest biggest reason cycling power probably didn't take off as much because it was just so costly. It was so now, expensive. Now, so they're, expensive. now they're way down in price. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tremendously. Whereas with run power, you know, yeah. I mean, and Stride's not the only run power company. There's going to be more that are coming out. Um, oh, yeah. but you know, you've got, you know, it's relatively inexpensive. It's simple to use, put it on the shoe. The biggest challenge with it is there's so much that affects run power, actually performance. And I wrote in the book, Run With Power, like power is not replacing pace as a metric. It's not, it's enhancing pace as a metric. That's really what it's doing. So people can understand what the cost is of pace, because, you know, if you judge your workout, on on well what was you know what was my pace well you know it's not really going to tell me much you know it, it could it could have been a hilly workout you know you could have ran on a bunch of hills it could have ran could have ran with you know the wind at your back or you know into a wind it could have been super hot it's like pace doesn't really tell you much watts tell you a lot more in terms of the work and then the effectiveness of those watts you know running effectiveness is an Andy Coggin metric where it talks about 
I mean, in the book, I talked more, brought the concept. It's really about how fast are you going for the watts you're producing. That's that's really what it is. You know, watts are a work rate. So you're working. Just how much of that work is actually helping you go forward? Yeah, because you can have you can have quick feet, and you can have like you can have, all, but you can also not be putting out a lot of power. Sure. Sure. Right, like well, I'm you can just thinking about somebody running uphill, right? Like, sure, like you. Mm. That's a lot of power. But if they go really, like, if they start to shorten their stride like, yeah. too much, then they might even actually lose a little power. Yes, but see, this is so you have three three types of power basically. You have horizontal power, vertical power, and lateral power. Okay, so to look at it in an extreme, if I stood up here and I jumped up and touched the ceiling, that's very high vertical power. Mm -hmm. Not very good horizontal power, but very good vertical power. So, you know, and what do you have to do? Every step, you have to lift yourself up off the ground. So how well do you lift yourself up off the ground? Okay. And how, you know, how, you know, some people, you know, we, we've called it vertical oscillation for the longest time. How, you know, how much up and down do you do? Is it more than what's necessary? So that's the way that we're kind of, you can kind of use this to see too, like, all right, and this is this is one of the reasons why it's a great tool. And, and like I talked about envelope runs or like with, with off the bike stuff, it's like, here's your cap. You're not allowed to go over these watts. Go faster for those watts. And it's like, okay, yeah, I need to think about forward lean and my foot strike. And mm-hmm. now you, know, you stay, in, stay in that. Now you're getting more more speed for those watts that you're producing. I got it. Does it have, does it judge left and right like some cycling power meters do? Like... Um, it won't, it won't tell you that, that yeah. one won't, um, there's, or is that even a big fact? Is that even a big factor? Uh, well, I mean, it could be. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we all have a dominant leg right. as far as I know, most of them, I don't, I know very few people that don't have a dominant leg. So I think, um, you know, my, my advice is always put it on the dominant one, you know, and learn from that one and kind of see what's going on. Uh, but, uh. Yeah, I, I think certainly you're, you'll probably see that expressed in other ways, uh, like vertical power mm-hmm. or form power, you know, which talks about how, which is a metric that kind of says how, how well you're, you know, the percentage of watts you're using to actually go forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are, those are those things. And there's new metrics coming out. It's funny, even since I wrote the book, new metrics have come out. Hell, I've created a few, you know, and, and so I probably need to do an update soon, but, uh. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a really cool thing to to start looking at um, in running. Um, so, I have a question for you. I'd like to close it up. Do you have anything yeah, else? Yeah, no, I think. Because um, I want to hear it in your in your language, because you're the the d- data guy that learned mindfulness, <laughs> which I love. For an athlete who, because they hear us talk about it all the time. But for an athlete who is struggling with that, who is, you know, they're all set for the race and then they're lining up and they're, you know, shoulder to shoulder in their wetsuits and all of a sudden they're just thinking about everything that can go wrong in a day. What is, what would be a technique like for them to use to just start to get into the truth about how crazy that story is? Well, first of all, it's, you know, it's not an easy overnight process on those things. No, it's that's generally not. a deeper problem. So a couple, a couple of ways I can go about this. Um, 
the first is I go back to it. Every athlete has a metric that that really, that really matters to them. I'll give you one example for me was in college. I judged my entire race fitness based on what what was my mile time. What kind of what my fitness was based on what could I run the mile in? Didn't matter what season it was. Didn't matter what event I was doing, the steeple or the 10k or the five or or the 800 or whatever. I cared about what's my mile time. What what can I run the mile in? Then and once I knew that, boom, I was like on cloud nine. I'm confident I can take on whatever. So athletes all have to find their metric. Once they have their metric, that switch will go off. And suddenly their confidence and their expectations change. And and so you want to capture that. You got to capture that point. And, and athletes don't even understand it until they're kind of in it a little bit. And then, a spe- and then the problem tends to be they get out of it. So I can tell you at dinner, the day that, that Ben won Alcatraz the first time, you know, I was at dinner with him, him and his parents in, in San Francisco. And, you know, I just eat, like I said, the swim was canceled. So you think, no way in hell this guy's got a chance to win this race. I mean, but he was so confident in just everything in the day. I mean, he was leading, even his family knew he was going to win. And I said, today, on the flight home, you need to write a letter to yourself. And I said, and you need to go through and you need to explain kind of who you are right now in this moment you know are you you know what is it about you right now why do you believe what you believe why did you know you were going to win that race what happened you know what was your ex you know just just tell just tell yourself who you are in this moment right here right now and it's like okay and then because what i want him to do later is when i tell him that he's out of that moment go back and read that letter you're not there you need to get there that's who you need to be and that's the thing. And so if, if an athlete doesn't really understand where they need to go, then it's hard. Now, that's the power of actually getting there in that moment, recognizing me like, yes, this is where I need to be in this, in this, you know, this recentered, as we kind of call it, you know. So if I can get them to that point, recognize and they know what that point is, then it helps them, you know, get there and stay there a lot better. Yes. But but without that, it's it's hard. But so you got to go back. You got to find the metric that gets them there. And once once the athletes see the fitness and they know how prepared they mm-hmm. are, like I had one athlete who wrote an email a number of years ago, just could never break ten in Kona. It was like nowhere near. You know, he'd qualify for Kona all the time. And it was actually Adam Zuko, so uh, Ben's coach. And and finally it's he just wrote an email to a bunch of us and he's like you know what like he's like at this point this is the first time i've ever gone into kona and i don't care about the result he's like i know that i've done everything right he's like so the result is what the result is and i'm i'm satisfied what happened what do you think happened yeah he got eighth in his age group went nine nine twelve yep you know never yes detachment Never in his life had he, did he, you know, did he think that he would go that? Never ever did he think mm-hmm. that he'd go that. And he came back, I want to say the next year, you know, I, and that night I had to tell him when we were celebrating a cone, I'm like, this is probably not the time you want to hear this. Probably the best time I should tell you. Mm-hmm. We can come back next year, be fitter, be faster, be, you know, go faster, 
and still not do as well. So just keep that in mind. Uh, you know, enjoy this moment. <laughs> enjoy this moment. And remember how it feels. Yes. Right. Capture that. Capture well, he that had already essence. he had already written the email. Yeah. And that's when it hit me. Like nice. he's capturing it now. He's captured that. Uh, and that's, he, that's was, he was content with with what is like and he mm-hmm. was eager for for more for what was coming yeah. he was excited he wasn't worried about failing <laughs> he wasn't it wasn't any of that so right. so he was that, so therefore he was not creating failure exactly and that athlete you described in your question is not there you know and that's that's the thing so you know that's that's the journey that's really what coaching should be you know, everybody wants to talk about workouts. Everybody wants to talk about metrics and, you know, this tool or that tool and how it's like, you know, it's, like I say, you got to, you got to get everything else right. So, and, you know, like I say, I bring it back to what I said. I, I've learned a lot, you know, since we moved to today's plan with, with Ben, I've learned a ton about Ben. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. I have to check that well, out. Well, I but, believe my belief system is, is that the conversation is changing. Mm-hmm. Because we certainly, I mean, that's what we do is we bring this mental piece in huge and people and, and what's happening is that it's not just shifting their athletic performance, it's shifting everything in their life in a better direction. Sure. Hunter Kemper told me, we were, he was at the Olympic Training Center with me because uh, I'm the National Junior Select Camp coach where I bring all these juniors into Colorado Springs and we s- s- connect them with like Ben or um, Hunter Kemper was, was there this, this last time. And, you know, and Hunter's like, ah, oh, I was never a data guy. I didn't do that. I didn't, you know, all that. And Hunter's super positive. So my imitation of him here is, is not, <laughs> it's not a fair or accurate, but he told the kids. But then, then he was talking about, you know, the kids was like, well, you know, you went into these big races. How'd you do it? He's like, you know, I just knew, like, when I had certain workouts that went this way or that way, that I was ready. And I was like, oh, you mean the data? the data from the workout like uh, you know but again and i go back to it his metric was these test workouts he had a metric and once he hit that game changer and he knew he was ready he stopped you know there was there was no he he had a pretty good ability to just shut off all the noise of doubt in his mind and Mm -hmm. and focus on him and you know he ended up being number one in the world a four-time olympian so so it's uh, yeah, those, that's the thing. And so many athletes are out there just going out, getting on their bike, going for a run, and then they'll never get there because they think they think that it's all just put the workouts together. And yes, that helps. Like recovering so that you have successful workouts is key, but having successful workouts is is critical. Not just like a couple successful workouts, but consistently successful workouts. So, where can people find you on social media? Are you on social media? Yeah, I'm yeah. on Instagram. I think Coach Jim Vance, and then uh, Twitter. I'm just at Jim Vance, and then obviously Facebook and stuff like that. Just find me. Um, you have two books, three books. Two books? I have <laughs> many books. Triathlon Science was my first one with Joe Friel that we co-edited together, and which is a great one. And then I did Triathlon 2.0 on my own. That one. Uh, run with power and then i have another one coming out this year um i co-wrote with bob babbitt on the 40th anniversary of iron man and i did all the training part for it bob kind of did the history and interviews and all that so it's should be a cool book very cool so, very yeah. cool yeah thanks nice thank you so much thank you Jim. you're welcome you're welcome it's like we uh realized you were right down the road <laughs> <laughs>
Please let us know what you thought of this episode. And don't forget that one of the most potent ways to support the show is just to share it with your friends. Click share and your support is logged. Yeah, it's that simple. Thanks so much for tuning in. We know you have a choice and we're grateful that you choose the YTP. This is not just about hearing ourselves on the mic, although I do believe I was born to be behind one when I'm not on my meditation cushion, of course. But seriously, this show is about sharing stories. It's about connection. It's about realizing that we are more similar than different and that we are never freaking alone. We are never alone in our struggles. So thank you for your support. Another powerful and free way to support the YTP is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. Lupe was the winner of our review contest last week, winning herself one of our new YT trucker hats. We still have some left in inventory, but not a lot. So go get yours ordered today. Yogitriathlete.com forward slash shop will show you all the goods. Our new Awaken Ready Teas and Tanks, High Vibe Pie pre-order special, trucker hats, and more. I mean, how much more evidence do we need, you guys, to be convinced that the mental game is where it's at in sport and life? And so there may be some of you who think, I have a happy life. I have nothing to work on. But I promise you, because I've been there, as long as we are in a body, we have stuff to work on. And it's not just from this life. A question I often ask myself before I begin my meditation is, what am I not seeing? Show me what I am not seeing. Ask yourself if you're willing to ask the very same question because we first have to see it before we can get to the other side of it. 